Welcome to Mentors Collective. For the entrepreneurs and business owners listening to this episode, you should know that what creates a successful company is seeing an opportunity in the marketplace and solving a problem. You really have to fix something that is broken in order to do well and have a company that has the potential to explode. You see all the, the behemoths out here, the Apples, the Googles, they're solving real world problems. On this episode, we're going to dive deeper into that. What does that actually look like in identifying and implementing solutions to build a, a company of the future that's actually going to make the world a better place? And to have this conversation, I brought in a couple of friends from a company doing exactly that. So I'd love to welcome Mark Kessner and Siva Nagalinga. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. So we'd love to open it up here a little bit about uh, both of you, your role in MediGuru, uh, what MediGuru does, uh, and let's talk uh, business, let's talk innovation. Uh, Mark, you go first. Yeah, so um, I'm a trauma critical care surgeon by training um, and spent probably the last 30 years in healthcare administration as well as clinically active for the first 15. Um, and I had implemented telehealth solutions uh, in health plans or in integrated delivery systems, especially in, when I practiced in New Mexico where there was a shortage of physicians. So there was a true need for it. And when you implemented telemedicine for health plans, you did it to control costs. Um, with the pandemic, um, there was an acceleration of the use of telemedicine. And I saw the perfect opportunity with MediGuru who is designing a new form of telemedicine or virtual care in order to come over as their chief innovation officer. I love that. And as a fellow uh, physician, I'm really looking forward to diving deeper into this. The healthcare system obviously needed a makeover and good for you, good on you, and seeing that calling and going to do just that. Uh, so thank yeah. you, Mark. Uh, Siva, let's hear a little bit about you. Perfect. Thank you for having me here. I'm Shiva Naglingam. I'm the CEO for MediGuru. I've uh, basically been a serial entrepreneur. I've done uh, multiple startups, whether it is uh, doing solutions for education, doing solutions for emerging market or healthcare. Uh, currently, I run a couple of companies. One is Cloudix, which is a Microsoft Gold Systems Integrator. And as an offshoot of that, uh, we, we have been engaged with a lot of healthcare clients on their patient engagement and digital engagement solutions. When COVID hit, we saw an existential problem for some of our clients where uh, the physical locations were closed and they still have to treat their constituents in a virtual manner. And we really saw an opportunity because there were band-aid solutions being put together and people were trying to force fit it into a healthcare process or a clinical workflow. So we saw an opportunity and we embarked on building Medigru, which is nothing but clinical workflows which take the virtual element and give it on par with what an in-person consultation would be. Amazing. And obviously this past year and a half is really when we've seen this kind of dramatic change in the way we deliver healthcare, probably forever, not just because of COVID. I mean, we've, we're really seeing this institutional, like fundamental changes to the way we even want to get, get care. Uh, so just an incredible time to be in the forefront of this. But a lot of questions to be raised. I mean, obviously, healthcare mm -hmm. is an age-old institution run by, you know, age-old theories and, and fundamentals. Uh, so you're kind of coming in here and innovating in that 
that world, telling them that they're doing things wrong and trying to fix a problem that is brand new uh, in that, you know, there's this massive shift to online care. Uh, so talk to me about that journey. You know, when did you start Mediguru in response to this change? So the genesis of Mediguru actually started a couple of years before the COVID pandemic itself, because we really saw when we were engaging with our healthcare clients, especially on the enterprise side, and we were trying to build solutions which were being patient-friendly, provider-friendly, and integrate with existing systems. We always saw the problem which you're talking about, Jay, which is uh, healthcare is, is, uh, is ruled by older systems. Healthcare is ruled by a lot of regulations. And the, the change and adoption and everything else is probably a little more tougher as compared to other industries, right? E-commerce, everybody gets it. But like in healthcare, there is a way of like handling uh, the patient and provider interactions and people are used to it, right? So, but when we took on the, the virtual element or the element of like doing virtual care, we never advocated a process of change. What we try to do is you continue to do the process which you have been doing, which you're very comfortable doing, but let's incorporate a virtual element to it so that nothing changes in the process. You're not learning something new, but how do you make sure the processes which you have been doing for treating your patients and engaging with your patients and your provider experience remains pretty much the same, but it has a virtual element to it. So that's the approach we took and that has become our uh, sort of ideology and we are really trying to incorporate and innovate on workflows, which will make that a reality. Yeah, I think the other element is, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, people looked to products in the market that were never designed to deliver care the way we're delivering it today. And so they just bolted things on. Um, I think there's some frustration with the solutions that they bolted on. And whenever you look at uh, a process for let's say diffusion of innovation, you have to look for somebody within an organization that's willing to champion a change, right? you just go in there and you're, you know, somebody from the external world telling them they have to change, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to resist the change. But if you have somebody that's in the organization who says, you know what, this isn't working and we need to design a different process, that's the customer that we want. Got it. And some of those kind of old tools that, that were already on the market when this massive change happened... Are we talking about companies like Teladoc or what were some of these kind of legacy companies that people were using? And I guess what separates you from, is it, is it the custom ability, uh, the ability to adapt to each individual practitioner or clinic's own systems of ways of doing things? Yeah, I think one of the things that is going to become increasingly important is that that encounter is part of the, the, uh, the clinician or excuse me, the patient's clinical record, right? and having implemented other solutions in the past, so often that encounter was either lost, faxed, or never made it to the electronic health record, right? And so now with the idea that we're gonna to have to have a continuum of care and measure the impact of, co of telemedicine, um, increasingly people are going to have their own workforce delivering the care and in order to do that, we have to make it as efficient as possible and seamless for them. Having a workforce that's spread out across the United States delivering care in, let's say, 
Washington, D.C., isn't going to cut it, right? And so um, we're going to have to have local talent uh, seamlessly delivering the care in a simple in a simple manner. And the other thing I'll add on to that is like, because Jay, you brought up Teledoc as well. Great company, good product. They have good solutions as well. There are tons of uh, uh, solutions, great solutions out there in the telehealth space. Um, and a uh, lot, of, lot of them provide virtual care in a particular way, right? But how do we enable an existing organization or a provider network or a hospital system to actually implement virtual care as part of that hybrid care practice? That's what we want to do, right? You don't have to go over and buy a set of technology from somebody to implement your virtual care. What if suppose your provider, your network, your practitioner, your specialist, and your hospital systems, they already do great in-person care. You supplement it with virtual care with the same set of people. That's essentially what Mediguru allows you to do. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible solution. And I, I see why companies are gravitating towards uh, solutions like this. Now tell me, I mean, as a, a founder of this, was it hard to cross the barriers that you think would be present when you're talking about healthcare. There's you know, patient privacy, there's legal matters, uh, all, all kinds of things that are, are shooting through my head when it talks about dealing with this sensitive information and, you know, approaching hospitals to start using this tool. Like what makes them trust it? Uh, talk to me a little bit about that journey. Totally. Like, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned some of those stable stake items when it, de when you deal with healthcare, right? So privacy, HIPAA compliance, uh, confidentiality of the data, all of that needs to be maintained. So it was integral for us to build around those, but uh, the, the way to approach the hospital systems itself, um, I think Mark alluded to that and you mentioned it before as well. Um, it takes a lot, of, uh, a lot of effort, a lot of change, a lot of uh, process and discussions and things like that to do it. Fortunately for us, what happened was like one of our clients uh, essentially was struggling with trying to implement a virtual care and provide the same level of service which they pride in their in-person care during the pandemic. So we co-developed with them. And when we built this solution with them, there were a lot of processes and changes which we, which we saw across the continuum when they are trying to implement virtual care, which guided our product. And that message and that set of innovations which we have done is starting to resonate. The process might be long, just because of like how healthcare moves and like how healthcare adopts technology. But the message of like how we are delivering this and the message of like how virtual care can be implemented using the same processes is actually starting to resonate. So more and more customers are talking to us. And uh, last year when we were at the HIMSS conference and we are looking forward to the upcoming HIMSS conference as well, there has been so much interest from organizations to come over and understand and learn and implement a solution based on Medigroup. Yeah, I think the other thing that uh, we have to have customers that are willing to, number one, take risk, but also recognize that the change is going to come over time, right? You fix something, you, do, you, you refine it, and then you look at how is that related to something else that needs to be fixed. Um, and as Siva sort of alluded to, you know, you're not doing it all at once. Um, you're starting out small, you're innovating, and then you're moving on. Um, you know, healthcare is so used to having siloed solutions everywhere, except for their electronic health record, but any of their business processes are siloed. 
And I think what we have to be able to do is take a big picture look at how we can bring certain elements together and incorporate it, not just um, put something on top of an already broken system. And the other thing is like one thing which I'll add on to that is one pretty soon we'll all realize that implementing a solution is okay, but then you got to drive meaning out of that solution as well. So for example, uh, what does like, you know, the overall uh, applicability of a virtual care means? Uh, how much time did the physician actually spend on the virtual care? How do we measure that? How do we build it? What are the various codes to be used? So there is going to be a lot of regulations and compliance, which we see going to happen in the future. And those are some of the things like we have started to innovate in our platform so that we can be ready when those regulations come about. Uh, and I have to ask, and for a lot of the entrepreneurs listening to this, uh, this is a, a, an important question, right? When you first developed this product, uh, how did you come up with the features and functionality that doctors actually needed? Is this something that uh, you had seen from an outside perspective or did you, were you working with Mark from the beginning or other doctors to listen <laughs> to them and, and say, you know, th this is what we're missing. This is what we need. Or did you kind of build something assuming and then adapt from there? And a, lot of, a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs typically make on their first product or service is designing something that they think their customer wants and needs and is totally off. Um, so just by having Mark here, uh, Dr. Kessner is a, is a huge uh, value add and, and kind of tidbit of knowledge for, for the listeners as well is to bring someone on who's actually been uh, a customer or, or, or knows what the pain points in the industry are. So talk to me a little bit about that, about the development. Uh, and Mark, I would love to hear your input as well. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll start with that because like that's one of the main reasons why we got into this partnership. And I really believe it has been very symbiotic and uh, pretty eye-opening for both of us, right? Uh, at least from our perspective, and I hope Mark also feels the same way. So when we, one of the things we, you, you, you sort of like summarized it very well, Jay, even in your question, which is a lot of times we see within uh, entrepreneurs and startup startups, they basically think they have the solution to solve world hunger, right? So they come in with the notion that, oh, you don't know anything. Um, I'm building up this greatest technology, greatest set of solutions, and you got to use it, right? We were lucky enough where we started Mediguru in collaboration with one of our big clients, right? And they have continuously continued to grow with us. And the evolution of the product, the evolution of delivering virtual care has been dictated by this partnership with them, right? So we started with as simple as implementing virtual care. How do we replace something like a Zoom or a Ring Central with the, with the virtual encounter in mind to now we are implementing solutions like virtual on-demand care. So how do we really take on-demand and do that on-demand in, in a better manner through virtual care, right? So the product has been constantly evolving with their friendship, with their friendship and partnership. Now, when we went through this journey, uh, we were guided by a lot of good advisors who have been on the healthcare space. But then Mark has been a friend whom we have been uh, chatting with for quite some time on, on certain uh, areas of improvement and certain feedback and stuff like that. And it became very apparent during that journey, um, or maybe within a couple of weeks, that 
we really need his guidance. We really need the insight he brings in. We need his, uh, the, the experience which he has. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it, it, became, uh, it became truly symbiotic because we really knew that uh, having Mark on our side was really going to give uh, the true definition of like how we can innovate for healthcare, how it is going to be built for providers, how it can be used by them as compared to like us force fitting a technology and that's essentially where Mark comes from. Yeah, I'll just, um, I'll sort of add into that. Um, you know, about 15 years ago, I walked out of the OR and was fed up with everything being broken, right? Everything around me was broken. And I, I figured the only way that um, it was going to change is by physicians sort of rolling up their sleeves and being part of a team to help fix it, right? Um, with the pandemic, um, we're going to be short about 130 or 100, 130 to 140,000 physicians by 2030. Um, and the only way that we're going to be able to deliver care is to make it simpler and to analyze it, refine it, make sure all the tools are connected. And so I, I was smiling because um, we're still developing as we go, right? We find out a new problem with something and we sit down and figure out how are we going to deliver care this way. Um, and so the other thing I, I sort of realized is that the people that are really hungry for change are the ones that have been neglected in the healthcare space, the palliative care, the, the rehabs, the you know, extended care facilities. Um, you know, they, they have a craving for change, um, but nobody has sort of subsidized them. And so we're having a lot of conversations with people like that that could benefit from virtual care and make care delivery simpler. Yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, and obviously the healthcare system needs a lot of uh, a, a makeover in a lot of different areas, right? And you guys are just kind of attacking one critical area of that. And like you said, we're sh healthcare is obviously short. People wait a long time to go see somebody. Um, the need for it is going up. And this, I think, in a, amongst some other ways, are, are ways to counteract that, to deliver the best care. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't mean to go too far off topic, but Mark, I would love uh, for you to lend some input because this is a, a curiosity for me and a lot of our listeners. Uh, mm -hmm. The healthcare, I, I think, is one of the last sectors that needs to be disrupted. You guys are obviously mm -hmm. disrupting one little aspect of that. I would love to hear briefly what you think some other areas of healthcare are that might be disrupted soon. Uh, yeah. So I, I think if you sit down and analyze, um, and I'll just use this as one of my pet peeves, is professional document or professional identity, yeah. right? Um, I have uh, probably 10 expired state licenses. If I try to get credentialed at another facility, I would have those would all have to be primary source verified, and um, as well as everything else. Apart, uh, you know, I went to medical school at University of Michigan. I did my fellowship at University of Miami. All of that stuff needs to be primary source verified. Drives me crazy, and I used to affectionately say I have a box under my bed with my professional identity because every time I go somewhere, they're asking me for it. Mm -hmm. So I think. Um, and, and a lot of that is driven by regulation, and a lot of that has been proven with the pandemic to not be sustainable. When um, 
when we had the beginnings of the pandemic up in New York City, uh, FEMA was trying to mobilize a workforce to work in New York City. And I was part of that task force. It was impossible to get a physician credentialed from Texas in New York, right? It's just impossible. So what we have right now for professional identity isn't sustainable and is not going to make uh, us meet the challenge of the future, which is we have to make every person on the team uh, uh, efficient, right? Um, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest one of the biggest um, areas. I think another area is I don't know that our model of care is sustainable. In other words, everybody makes money off of it, right? Yeah. And is that really what we want um, going forward, or is that what we need going forward? And I think um, we have to stop looking at healthcare as being a cash cow for the rest of the industry. Um, and so th those are two of the things, the model of care um, and the professional identity, I think are two things that need to be addressed. One of the things that I read recently is that during the pandemic, the migration to value-based care has slowed. And that as soon as the pandemic is, you know, uh, I don't want to say over, but we're living with it, healthcare systems are going to try to make money again. Um, and that's not the point. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be delivering high quality, efficient care, not making money. And so it'll be interesting to see how many people have to go back to physicians' offices instead of developing, instead of having a cost-effective uh, delivery model such as telehealth. Yeah. And I want to now kind of aim that question to you, Siva. Uh, with MediGuru, is there any other kind of aspect to the healthcare system that you hope to attack next, say you've dominated and completely disrupted this sector, you know, your software and you're in every virtual healthcare clinic and, and, and plan imaginable. Is there anything that's next for Mediguru or things that you, you, you think need to be fixed? So for us, fundamentally at the core, it has always been about the engagement. How do we make yeah. this uh, encounter, whether it is a patient engagement or a provider engagement, the easiest and the most affordable it can be? So I really believe that virtual care can give or open up doors for some of this, some of this to happen. Um, for example, how do we really offer uh, care across uh, remote spaces, right? It can really happen. How do we do it for uh, multilingual society? So there is there is care which can be given to a Spanish person, Mandarin person, like various other lang uh, various other languages, right? Uh, we can really deliver it without uh, without things being uh, being lost. How can we really provide a care in a sort of urgent manner? In the sense, right now, if we have to go see a specialist, it might take two or three more weeks, or like whenever that availability is there, or uh, sometimes, like, I mean, the overall screening itself is not right. So we might be asked to see a specialist, even though we might have to be diagnosed. So there is a lot of uh, lot of improvements which can be really ma made to the care outcomes, as well as the constituents whom we give care to. And I really see, like, uh, telehealth being the beachhead for delivering some of those. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to add to that. Um, I did some work for a company once where there, the CEO believed and he, he proved to be right that 50% of referrals to specialists are either ill-timed or unnecessary, yep. right? So you show up to see the cardiologist and they don't even have a copy of your EKG or they don't have your lab results. 
Um, there are a lot of reasons why um, telehealth or the te first visit to a specialist should be a televisit. Now, unfortunately, we'll see what the government says <laughs> because they've been saying that you can do a televisit, but you have to see the doctor first. Um, and that's, I think, one of the frustrations with healthcare is it's heavily regulated. And once again, people are trying to make money off of it. Yeah. And the way this kind of looks to me, right, it's a moving train. I think we're heading in this direction no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. I think regulators are going to have to adapt as we go, kind of yep. like cryptocurrency and DeFi, that whole thing. This is this, it's, it's being disrupted. It's happening. People want this. They're going to get it. They're going to get it either way. Um, yep. So I'm interested to see how this kind of plays out. Um, but with that being said, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think the timeline of this looks like, what you think the next five, 10 years looks like for the healthcare field for virtual care. Do you think this all happens within our lifetime where, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting full virtual healthcare? Do you think that's ever going to be a possibility? I, you know, I press the team, um, with the fact that the tools that we have to deliver virtual care should be the tools that we have to deliver all care, right? And so some, somehow I think, um, the other thing is, I don't know that my two-year-old grandchild will ever live away from a phone, right? Um, they're going to expect that uh, care is delivered as easily and as simply as possible. Um, and so I think, um, probably the next five years are going to be very telling. Um, my generation will, you know, we certainly know how to use a phone. Uh, people older than me may, may or may not have them, but I think that's um, going to be the wave of the future, the expectation of the customer. And therefore, I think healthcare is going to have to evolve with it. Yeah, I believe so as well. I mean, um, ideally, I would like to see that adoption, which you talked about, Jay, within the next couple of years but I don't think it's going to be a reality, right? I mean, it, it will take time. It will take time for this, uh, for this virtual care and the way we are thinking about things to, to happen uh, because, uh, because there are a lot of other regulations and other things which needs to support it. But similar to like what Mark mentioned as well, uh, the, the, the newer generation, they are more used to and demanding uh, accessibility and availability of things. And uh, there is a... Uh, there is uh, income disparity which is happening. Uh, there is uh, uh, lack of uh, qualified professionals available. So many other things are happening. And there is a lot of other changes which are happening in various other parts of the world as well. So some, sometimes it has to give, sometimes it has to catch up. And uh, similar to like how we saw in IT where the whole concept of outsourcing and second opinion and uh, support and other things happened, uh, there will be processes, there will be changes which happen across the system. And I really believe it is just uh, a matter of time before it becomes ubiquitous. Same here. And for the listeners, uh, still several uh, medical personnel from my past, uh, probably on here listening. Where Mediguru is at right now, kind of who is who is this for? How do people get involved? Is this for, you know, my friends who are in private practice, um, doing virtual consults? Is this for clinic owners? Is this for hospitals? Um, what is kind of the call to action? How can people get this and, and be a part of this? Well, I think I'll start out by saying um, we're open to anyone, right? 
anyone who has the patience to sit down and map a present process as compared to expecting a bolt-on solution. So we're, we'll listen to anybody to talk about their process and how we can help them improve it. I think the other thing is um, there is this um, arrogance within healthcare that we build our own. <laughs> and by having sort of an external team look at processes, some, sometimes it simplifies it far more than we think we can do it in healthcare. So I think there's, whether it's a clinic or whether it's, you know, single practice, whatever, there's an IT team that can support and redesign a process for you. And I'm a process operations guy, obviously an entrepreneur as well. What I've realized and learned from helping my physician friends who are off doing this on their own is they're notoriously bad at operations and systems. Uh, so I'm sure they can benefit from, from that as well. <laughs> oh, I well. agree wholeheartedly. I was an engineer as an undergrad. <laughs> so you understand. Uh, so with that being said, kind of what is the process if somebody is interested and wants to sign on board? I know you said they have to go through kind of their current system that they're used to comfortable with and then what you design a custom system for them and help them implement that in their current practice? So the way we do it is, um, so essentially we have, we have workflows. These are nothing but reusable components and uh, they can be customized for any system, right? Any system, any care delivery system, which is looking at it. Uh, the way they want to be engaged, please reach out to us, right? Just drop us a note, uh, come to sales at medigrew.com or be on a LinkedIn page, uh, just send us a note. Um, we'll have a quick quick discussion with you to understand a little bit more about the process and the pain points you're, uh, you're uh, looking at solving. And we take a phased approach. We don't come in with the approach of saying, like, we're going to completely replace your system. You have to force fit this. None of that happens, right? We work with you in order to make it a phased approach of how to implement it without creating much disruption within the people who are doing the delivery, right? Um, and that's essentially what uh, what we would like to do. For us, we want to successfully implement it so that you're using it rather than uh, having a shiny object which nobody uses and everybody detests. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And just a couple of final questions for each of you. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, you left a very successful career in medicine to pursue this new mission kind of full time, uh, really put your heart and soul into it. So would love to hear your thoughts to the to any doctors listening that may have been called outside of medicine to do something else that might feel like they're leaving their identity behind to, to do something that's scary for them. Uh, right. would, would love to hear your, your thoughts and comments on that journey for you so far. Well, I, I think, and you know, this is not to speak poorly of non-physicians, but physicians bring a unique perspective on solutions, right? Um, you always can sort of step back and look at the team and figure out how to maximize the use of the team. And so I think um, anybody who's thinking of doing this, number one, has to take a big picture approach to it. Uh, they have to realize that you're not in it for the money, you're in it for the fun, right? And that you're going to make people feel a little uncomfortable in order to get them to do something a little different. So I'll tell you a funny story. When I was doing consulting work, I used to um, come into the executive suite and show them a video called the shirtless dancing guy. 
<laughs> and this is a kid who's at a at a, a, a Woodstock dancing all by himself and everybody's looking at him like he's an idiot. And I used to tell people that I'm going to be your shirtless dancing guy and I'm going to look for the one person in the room that's going to translate this into what it means for your organization. And I think that's the way you sort of have to approach it. You're going to approach it from the perspective of making people do things differently, making them a little uncomfortable. Uh, and in order to do that, you sort of have to have a clinical perspective of it. Thank you, Mark. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, and Siva, question for you. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, a, a lot of these problems scare us. We know that they exist. We know that they're out there, but they seem too big, too hard to tackle, too impenetrable. I mean, you picked one that would scare the living day out of me to start a business to try and try and get into. Uh, so first of all, kudos to you. But second, what gave you the the confidence and the drive to actually per pursue that goal and to make that difference. So the thing is, I mean, that is why you're an entrepreneur, right? You love to solve problems. So you see a problem which exists and then you basically uh, try to go after it and you try to solve it. You got to have a, a focus and a belief that it can be solved and you can't do everything on your own. As an entrepreneur, one of the things which I've always learned is surround yourself with people who can give you the right guidance and who can really help you build it. And when you have a good team, when you build, build and surround yourself with a great team, anything is possible. That's amazing. And what you're doing is incredible. I'm excited to see the journey over the next several years, see how this plays out for virtual healthcare. Uh, any final comments uh, about Mediguru, bits of advice that you'd love to give back? Um, open floor for either of you. Oh, I, All I right. just think it'll be fun. You have to yeah. make it fun. Yeah, this has to be fun. Uh, and I'm having fun. I get to hang out with uh, awesome guys like you, make a difference. Hopefully the listeners uh, were impacted in one way or another. If there are any metal, medical practitioners, physician friends listening, uh, you can learn more about Mediguru in the show notes here. It's mediguru.com. Uh, I'm happy to point you in the direction of Mark or Siva if you'd like to learn more or talk to them. Uh, is there anywhere that people that you prefer people find you, get in touch with you guys? Well, I post on LinkedIn uh, every day, pretty much. And so LinkedIn is um, where I make some pretty amazing connections. Otherwise, just my email, uh, mark at mediguru.com. Shiva, S-I-V-A at mediguru.com. Yeah, LinkedIn is where we always are. Uh, great connections, great conversations. Would love to hear back from uh, from your listeners. All right. Thank you both so much. This has been a ton of fun. Again, really looking forward to following the journey. And thank you for your time. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. See ya.